And welcome to Radio Drama Revival, this show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. I'm your host, Fred, and that dark music advice to Mahan for our 2007 final room production of Dark Passenger, heralding the month of October. Yes, it is here. Uh, we are here for our month of horror programming. Hope you're in for it. This is uh, fourth year we have been doing this, uh, an entire month of bloody gut-filled vampire, witches, monsters, and more um, for the month of October. Uh, starting today, a little bit off the beaten path, um, a new series by Tom Lopez. Um, of course, Tom Lopez of ZBS we featured just in the month of August, um, his entire return to Inverness um, epic uh, Jack Flanders story, uh, all six hours of it. Um, now we're back for some new material, actually brand new this week. Um, it's a little di- different um, from the Ghouls and Goblins we'll be featuring later this month. Um, this one's called Recipe for Murder. Um, this just, just, just hit the web. Um, Tom has uh, is releasing a series of these uh, new productions. This is about 45 minutes. Um, f- recorded on location in Montreal, and it's uh, kind of a strange, dark noir. Uh, nothing quite like it. So we'll be featuring that in just a moment. But first, Captain Radio is elsewhere in the interstellar audio cosmos this week. Though we have this little, uh, I won't call it a promo, but it's an intro to the new Julie Hoverson's uh, new series. She's releasing a series of four Dunwich uh, Horror Chronicles by H.P. Lovecraft, uh, featuring a great cast, um, including uh, Dave Marshall, who's a comrade of mine here in uh, New England, trying to get the the, the accents correct. Uh, let me run. This is the, your intro to it. Uh, you've, if you've heard, I'm sure you've heard by now, uh, 19 Nocturne Boulevard's work. Um, here is what the first couple minutes of that will sound like. And you can f- hear the actual show, a new 30-minute episode going up each week at 19nocturneboulevard.com. 19 Nocturne Boulevard presents The Dunwich Horror by H.P. Lovecraft Adapted by Julie Overson When a traveler in North Central Massachusetts takes the wrong fork at the junction of Aylesbury Pike just beyond Dean's Corners he comes upon a lonely and curious country The ground gets higher and the briar-bordered stone walls press closer and closer against the ruts of the dusty, curving road. With Dave Marshall as Dr. Henry Armitage. Without knowing why, one hesitates to ask directions from the gnarled, solitary figures spied now and then on crumbling doorsteps or on the sloping, rock-strewn meadows. Glenn Hallstrom as Professor Warren Rice. Those figures are so silent and furtive that... One feels somehow confronted by forbidden things which it would be better to have nothing to do. Lothar Tuppen as Dr. Francis Morgan. Across a covered bridge, one sees a small village huddled between the stream and the vertical slope of Round Mountain, and wonders at the cluster of rotting gambrel roofs bespeaking an earlier architectural period than that of the neighboring region. And Lord Blood Ra as the voice of the Necronomicon. It is not reassuring to see, on closer glance, that most of the houses are deserted and falling to ruin, and that the broken steepled church now harbors the one slovenly mercantile establishment of the hamlet.
Part One of Four. Nor is it to be thought that man is either the oldest or the last of Earth's masters, or that the common bulk of life and substance walks alone. All right, and that was the not quite a promo for 19 Nocturne Boulevard's uh, Dunwich Chronicles. Uh, check it out, 19nocturneboulevard.com. New episode each week, and I believe that first one will be up this Sunday by the 9th of October. We will find some stuff at Julie's site. And uh sounds like one of the best 19 Nocturne Boulevard shows we'll, we'll have heard um, celebrating their uh, third anniversary. So hope you check it out. And now uh, to a seasoned lover of the uh, dark. We've got Tom Lopez's recipe for murder. Enjoy. I was doing a shift at Jules, working in the kitchen, making chef salads. What else? I wasn't feeling too great. Uh-huh. What? Sneezing on the food. No good boil pacote. Go home. I'm in enough trouble with you to Another winter. I was freezing, aching all over. The number 80 bus ground slowly up the Avenue de Bark Hill. So hot and crowded on the bus. I began to consider the possibility of fainting. It was a relief to get off on Saint-Viateur. I did some shopping on the way. My arms full of bags. I almost slipped as I turned on to Waverly. My mother heard the gate and was waiting by the door, which is both good and bad. You know, that Italian mother thing. <laughs> oh, you blues worse, mio caro. No, it's nothing, mama. Don't nothing me, Claudio. Like I un piccola influenza. Not even. Influenza? Poi a letto, immediately. But, mama... Are you hungry? No, I ate some bagels on the way home. But that's not enough. Jesus. I'm going in a febre. No, no, ma finisce la. What's this? That's linguine from Latina and cassia from Kilopri. Cassia? The... What are you cassia? It's buckwheat groats. Oh, that! That's just glorified porridge. Who eats that? The Jews around here eat it. It's got great potential with Parmigiano. Aha! <laughs> influenza. You'll call Signor Julian. You tell him you can't work. Julian already told me to go home till I feel better. I have to study anyway for my big midterm and my candy course. I'm way behind. Well, let me know if you're hungry. I opened my notes. Uh, made me feel tired. Damn, prof is so boring. So mundane. The girl with the basic brioche should never be counted or pushed. No, gently. I'll get it. Don't you dare go to the door, It was my buddy. My pal, George Luke. I'm desperate, Jean-Claude. Something was up. I'm sure the police are chasing me. I was only wearing a t-shirt and he was in a panic. I had a coffee with Victor at Julius. Man, it was bad. That Victor thing again. He doesn't want me seeing Joyce because of the color of my skin, man. Why bother then? I figured, you know, we'd talk, maybe chill. Well? Well, it didn't. He was acting all weird, man. We had some words and some more words, and then, and he got rude and I almost punched him, man. I almost lost it, man. Forgot my coat there, man. I'm freezing. Relax. It'll all blow over. Just gotta be mad, man. 
Oh, yeah. Were you expecting anyone else? I wasn't even expecting George Luke. Oh, man. You gotta be here. Oh. George Luke Jean? Um, He's a black one. Hey. Yeah, it's a black one. That's me, yeah. You're under arrest. Come with us. But why are you oh. doing this? What has he done? <laughs> this isn't a press conference. Now, please, Monsieur Jean, no trouble. Hmm? George Luke is a guest of my own. Must you put I didn't do anything. That's not what we heard. I didn't even touch him. No one said he died from a blow, boy. Victor's dead? Victor's oh, dead. Gee. Hey, hey, hey. Come on. Take my coat. You're a big Jean-Claude now. Well, the worst that could have happened, happened. George Luke was charged with manslaughter. He'd had that hell of a fight with Victor, and he sure had a good reason to see him out of the way. That was enough for the cops, and they weren't saying much more than that. Over my mother's usual protests, I went to meet Joyce at La Cabane up on Saint Laurent. He was such a sweet guy, Jean-Claude. I can't even focus my eyes. I can't see. It was a tough moment for her. I have something, a glass of wine. I don't know. Okay. She'd lost her father. Whiskey? And her boyfriend was in jail for killing Double? him. Double? Who knows what else was happening. Double whiskey sur glass and design come on. D'accord. Beth is a horrible cold, sorry. Daddy is such a sweet guy. I feel nothing. He didn't do it. I'm not so sure. He has a stupid temper. They both do. Dead. I don't know. What? It's stupid, I know. And look where it's gotten all of us. A big, stupid, miserable mess. And then there's that other big mess. Hmm. A married woman. Isabel. What's the point? I miss daddy, so... It's him so... It's all my fault. He didn't do it, Joyce. Are you sure? Absolutely. I know he didn't do it. I know. I know. Joyce left to go home. She wanted to be alone. Who could blame her? If I went home, my mother would make me go to bed. So... I decided to go downtown to Julie's. Usually a very cool place. Now a very depressed place. Julien was by the counter. He looked very tired. Man, business is slow, Jean-Claude, after that guy died. Oh, what a scene. What happened? Oh, that body. I'll tell you, I don't like those things. Swollen. And the face, the face is the worst. Pain and joy and nothing. Nothing at all. The tongue hanging out. Duel. Terrible. It was a normal night, busy enough. Hey, you know, you were here. They were sitting over here by the window, making a lot of noise. You are alone. None of my business. None of my business. He was acting, this Victor, really weird, strange, laughing, mad. It was a bad scene. Really nasty. I 
I swear George Luke was gonna pop him. I would have. Anyway, he doesn't. Anyway, he storms out. Suddenly, this victor is in the throes of something. What? A, a heart attack? What do I know? I run a bistro. Anyway, Charles called the paramedics right away. But it was too late. The poor guy was dead. How did the police know it was George Luke? Uh, from the coat? No, there was nothing in the coat. I told them. Uh, don't look at me like that. I had to tell them. And that he'd probably be at your what place. What else can you remember? What else? <laughs> I don't know. It was busy, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. There was a box of chocolates on the table. You know those uh, hand-dripped Belgium things? Like what? I don't know. Uh, maraschinos. <laughs> I never cared for Where them. are they? Oh, they're here somewhere. I know they were here. They, they were just in a plain white box. No name, nothing. I think it's very suspicious that the chocolates are missing. Evidence? You, you well, where are they? Did someone take them? Who brought them? Okay, okay. You know, what else? It smelt funny. Funny? Well, what, what did? The body. Yeah, horrible smell. A, a stupid smell. Did you tell the cops? Them? <laughs> they don't care about things like that. But... It... Wait, wait, wait. What? 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 Uh, what, what? I'm remembering something. Oh. <laughs> we! Someone else met with this poor slob Victor before George Luke. Who? Never seen him before. He drank beer. That, you know, Belgium stuff. I always keep a few bottles in the fridge. La mort subite. Sudden death. <laughs> a big joke, eh? <laughs> My mind buzzed. Something was wrong. So, so very wrong, and yet I had no idea. Nothing. I should have been studying for my midterm, and yet I couldn't concentrate. It was past two by then. What was the smell that Julian was talking about? Victor's smell. I bundled up. It was freezing outside. And I headed to La Cabane for a beer. The place was packed. Doesn't anyone ever sleep in this town? I'm real smoky, too. But definitely not the place for a guy with a flu. I wandered along Avenue du Parc, but it was too cold. The video store was mobbed. I went home. The répondeur was flashing. It was Julian. Here's your clothes. It's me. I found those chocolates. The maraschinos. Anyway, they're here. My heart raced. I called Julius. Busy. I called again. And again, and again, busy, 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 mad, mad, mad. It was getting real late. I took a chance and grabbed a cab. I can't imagine why the cabbie kept honking his horn. The streets were deserted. The bistro was locked, but I could see Julien and Charles. This is important. I need the box of chocolates. Charles cleaned up and threw it out, uh, what, uh, ten minutes ago? 
Just in time for the garbage pickup. Oh, no, are you sure? <laughs> I'm sure. Well, okay, which way did they go? I've got to find them. They're off the island by now. This is terrible. Look, Julian, what was the smell like? Exactly like. You mean Victor? <sighs> like almonds, but gone off or something. You're a nasty sort of smell. Bitter. That means something. My prop was on to something the other day. What was he talking about? Oh, it's the maraschino thing. Such as walnut oil to the maraschino liqueur in which the cherries are steeped. Cyanide type compound. C'est ça. Cyanide, voila. And cyanide smells like almonds. The chocolates in the white box were poisoned with cyanide. Someone else killed Victor, not George Luke. But who? I wish you had kept that box, Julian. The evidence was on its way to some landfill far, far away. Gone. Merde. Well, there was only one thing to do. I grabbed another cab on the Maisonneuve and headed downtown to police headquarters. I can't imagine why this cabbie also kept honking. The streets were deserted. Down at headquarters, after waiting forever on a hard bench, I finally got to see a detective who actually knew what case I was on about. I filled him in on the maraschino and walnut and cyanide bit, and the other man at the bistro, and what Julian had smelt on Victor's body. All the cop did was laugh. Suddenly, all the cops were laughing at me. Well... Listen to this. <laughs> I don't think it's so fucking. When we were talking about someone's life. Relax, kid. Cyanide doesn't smell like almonds. It smells like old socks. <laughs> but you when people croak from cyanide, they vomit and pass out, and their lips turn bright cherry red because the cyanide strangles them from the inside. It's not like it is in the movies, lad. <laughs> we think it's a poison thing, too, but we don't know what yet. Well, then why don't you do an autopsy? <laughs> hey, it takes time. <laughs> well, what about the other guy? <laughs> I know you want to help your friend, but this is a case of murder. Murder? Yeah, I'm afraid so. It's murder. Now, they had a fight, a big blowout, a big motive, a big opportunity. It spells murder. Jesus. Okay? Relax, kid. The judge will go easy on him. huh? He's young. Crime of passion. A few years he'd be out of it. Now, go home and take care of yourself. You're not looking too good. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was back to square one. The next morning, Joyce and I took the metro way up to the north end of the city where Bordeaux jail is. Joyce is an Anglophone and speaks no French, and English is a difficult game up in the North End. Anyway, I wanted to see Georges Luc. Maybe he would remember something useful. Something. I had never been in a jail before. I didn't like it. Georges Luc came in, wearing orange overalls. And we had to talk to him through a screen. Very bad. I looked away to let them have a moment together. I to his girlfriend, you know? This is so unbelievably hard. 
<clears throat> After a while, <coughs> I mean, they weren't going to let us stay there forever. I piped in. What about the chocolates, Julian? <laughs> there was a box of chocolates on the table. Julian said so. I remember, yeah. There was something on the table. A, a white box. That's it. That, that's it. The chocolates must be from her, the other woman. Isabel? I liked her. What about her husband? He, he approve? <laughs> from what I could see, Isabel's thing was just getting him jealous. Victor? No, the husband. He's much older than her, another Belgian. It was all they had in common, apparently. Hey, you probably know him. He's Reese de Bruin. You mean that chocolate shop on St. Catherine? He gave a lecture in my course last month. Oh, a real artist. Even melting chocolate is a big, big deal for him. Isabel knew that he loved Nash, she knows. That's how they met, the Bruins shop. But Isabel wasn't there at Julius. There, there was a guy. Julien said he, he drank more subit. Oh, I hate that beer. <laughs> Maybe it was Reese, the chocolate guy himself. Oh, they're gonna kick us out of here in a minute. Not all of us. Oh my darling. I'll speak to Uncle Percy. <laughs> traffic. He did traffic. All I got to him is a little traffic cop. I didn't care what they said about Percy. He knew a lot, and seen a lot, even if he had just done traffic for 40 years. I love Uncle Percy. Well, really, he was just a friend of Grandpa Henri, but he'd lived with us forever. As soon as I got home, I went to Percy's room. Who's there? Jean-Claude. I need your help. I can't figure out what to do. Georges Luke is going crazy in there, and I'm at my wit's end. For the next hour, I explained the situation to him. Uh, the cyanide. He didn't laugh at me. And how badly Joyce was doing, and Georges Luke and Julien throwing out the evidence of the box of chocolates, and how much I hated Bordeaux jail and everything. I always wanted to be a detective, you know. But things were so secure in the department for me. Safe. Maybe I was afraid I would fail the exam. <laughs> Maybe I was afraid I would pass it. <laughs> Who knows? We need to know those autopsy results. He smiled warmly at me, as he had always done all my life. Look, here's what we'll do. We need more facts, mm -hmm. evidence. Why are they taking so long? I'll call my old friend in the coroner's yeah. office. Maybe they'll have something for us. Uh, uh, now? <laughs> right away. Uh, right away. <laughs> I just have to find that number. For the rest of the afternoon, I stayed in my room and pretended to study. I flipped pages back and forth, made a few notes, but my mind wasn't into it. I imagined what it would be like to be in prison. When you kill someone, they send you to a maximum security place. I shuddered. If the jail was bad. I had heard all sorts of stories of how the convicts treated young inmates. I shuddered again. Or maybe it was the flu. So went the afternoon. The phone rang about supper time. I strained it to hear. I could just barely hear the murmur of his voice. 
And then as he shuffled down to my room, I held my breath, just when I could bear it no longer. Uncle Percy knocked on my door. Finally. Well, we have some news. And, and let me try to get it right. An autopsy was done. But you said it would take weeks. Oh, it's good to have old friends. And? And? and Mr. Victor was poisoned. I knew it. Cyanide. Oh, no, not quite. Your cyanide theory is out the window. What do you mean? It was something called Belladonna. What is Belladonna? I went to the encyclopedia. As usual, it was problematic. Too much and too little. A shrub. Part of the deadly nightshade family. Very poisonous. Well, that's obvious. Causes hallucinations before death. Exactly. Victor was acting strangely. Re related to the tomato? What? Oh, this is no good. Let's see. Hmm. The Greeks tied it in with the fates. And they put some in their wine as an aphrodisiac. Hmm. The belladonna orgies would often lead to frenzy and murder. Wow. Later, women used it as eye drops to enlarge their pupils. Hence, Belladonna, beautiful woman. And they believed that if you put the root under your pillow, you would have erotic dreams? Wow. Something erotic. Chocolate, a beautiful woman, something dark and romantic. So... If there is a poison, there must be a poisoner. So I thought I should go and see this Reese de Bruyne. The next morning, as early as I could, I went down to his shop. It was on that seedy strip of West St. Catherine down near the Forum. Sex toys, used books, country and western bars. A tiny little bell rang as I opened the door. It smelled wonderful in there. Sweet, lush. Everywhere I looked, I saw displays and piles of various, quite elegant chocolates. And behind the counter was a stack of those white boxes. Huh. Soon a, a man came from the back, wiping his hands on a not-so-clean cloth, disheveled. Mr. de Bruyne. He scowled at me, as if I had interrupted something important. Uh, I'm taking that course at the Sejep that you talked to last month. Your lecture on chocolate was very inspiring. Uh, you were in that class. I want to be a chef. Chefs? <laughs> no wonder they all wear such big hats. <laughs> Though I am very interested in confection, I haven't made up my mind yet. That's all right. There's much to be done. Lately, I have been trying to perfect candied violets. That's fascinating. The flavor is most delicate, but the problem seems to lie in... in the structure. Huh. Too flimsy. Oh, well, no one has any taste anyway. Why waste my time, you ask? Well, here. Try this. I pulled back. Merci, but no. I insist. I'd rather not. He seemed a bit hurt. As you wish. 
I looked longingly at the violet he was offering. A dark and slightly bitter chocolate. Just a little research of mine. Delectable. I am more known for my praline. Uh, the great Belgian specialty. Knowledgeable and a connoisseur. Excellent. This is praline. And tell me what you think. No, that's too early in the day for me. It's my favorite chocolate flavor. Again? Still, I couldn't take the chance. Where did you learn this? I apprenticed in Brussels at Shane Newell on the Avenue Louise. You don't know it? Uh, no, uh, uh, no. Pity. With Maitre Lambrecht, the best chocolate maker in Belgium, he taught me the art of hand-dipping using only two fingers. It's as difficult as playing the violin. But you can't taste too much of your work. Things were going well. Make you fat. I was wondering how I should shift the conversation to something useful. When a beautiful red-haired woman came in from the back. Where's the almonds we received yesterday? She saw me and stopped. I stared at her. This is a young colleague from the sea ship. Uh, Jean-Claude Gagnon. How do you do? This is my wife, Isabel. Oh, was this Victor's lover? I'm her eyes met mine and stayed there. We met. I doubt it. There was something strange about her that I couldn't figure out. Why are you looking at my wife like that? I'm sorry, mate. Was I being offensive? Things had reached the point where there was nothing more to be gained unless... Do you ever flavor your praline with herbs? Herbs? With, say, belladonna? What? What are you talking about? I'm talking about poisoned chocolates. Maraschino? What? There was a look on his face that suddenly terrified me. You who met with Victor at Chez Julien the other night. The night he died under very mysterious circumstances. <gasps> Isabel turned white. A remarkable effect considering her bright red hair. No artist would do such a thing. As for Victor, he was nothing. He grabbed my arm. It hurt. I struggled to pull myself free from his vice-like grip. I cried out. Reese, Reese, leave the boy alone. It means nothing. Nothing. Now leave. Leave my store. Get out. Get out. Get out! I found myself out on the street. The sun was fully up and bright as it reflected off the snow. It hurt my eyes. I looked around for somewhere warm to hang out and figure out what had just happened and if I had done anything useful. I hoped I hadn't done anything really bad. I felt a hand on my shoulder. It was Isabel. The crazy woman didn't even have a coat on and was shivering something pathetic. Well, why? I pulled her into a nearby cafe, formica and plastic. But at least the coffee was hot. I was all alone, and Reese was there for me. What are you talking about? You have to understand him. He's a complex man, a, a great artist. We and me. You. You're a beautiful woman. Mm. Young men love you. You're indifferent to cold. And so much else, and so much else. I'm an orphan, you know. I was so alone. Then I met Reese. Eleven years ago now, almost twelve. I was good for him. Why? Why? 
You're too young, you don't know. How old are you anyway? Twenty. See? He can hate so much himself, everybody. What about Victor? You know Victor? His daughter's a friend of mine. I met him a few times. I miss Victor. Just a sweet guy. A dead sweet guy. I said I missed him. So does his daughter, Joyce. Listen. Reese wanted me to stop seeing Victor. And you agreed? I tried. I couldn't. I couldn't. Now, what did Reese think about that? It was Reese who brought the chocolates to Victor. He's insane. You're telling me this? You know what this means? We, oui, we. Oui. Do you? Yes. I loved Victor. I owe him this. You said you owed Reese too. She just cried. I guess she wasn't as indifferent as she thought she was. I told Uncle Percy what had happened, what Isabel had told me. We told the detectives. Reese de Bruyne was arrested and the charge was murder. The police found dried belladonna berries in his shop. And the capper was Julian's identification of Reese as the man in the bistro that night with Victor before George Luke had shown up. George Luke was absolved and freed. Joyce and I went to get him at the jail. My mother gave me some money and this time we took a taxi. We ended up at our usual, like a van. The place was packed. <laughs> the first thing Joyce did was to lace into George Luke. How could you fight with Daddy? Uh, I was trying to make it better, Joyce. I thought I could make him like me. He didn't like me. I like you. They were such sweet people. Jail. I hate it, man. Disinfectant and sweat and fear. Misery. Cops told me Reese is insanely jealous. And mostly just insane, eh? He mutters Belladonna, Belladonna, over and over. Or says nothing at all. What about Isabel? She called me, left a message. I didn't call her back. Maybe she needs a friend. I just don't have the extra strength. Anyway, Uncle Percy says maybe Reese is too insane to stand trial. You mean they just put him away for killing Daddy? Uh -huh. I hate that. Either way, either way, the outcome is obvious. Madonna is such an odd choice. Maybe we should drop a junk load. Well, something's been bothering you about all this. Are you saying what I think you're saying? And what is he saying? Reese is an artist and... An artist simply wouldn't contaminate his own creation. Uh, that's it. You're off your loop, Jean-Claude. Well, maybe. Joyce's dad is dead. Isabel's destroyed. Reese is mad. I don't know. Hey, who else is there? I don't know. I really don't know. I didn't know. It was all so wrong. Isabel seemed the only other possibility, but that was wrong. Isabel had loved Victor. She had told me so in that little nothing cafe on St. Catherine, and I had believed her. I still did. She wouldn't have killed Victor. Impossible. And I know Reese didn't. At least not that way. I mean, maybe he could have shot him or something like that. He was sure strong enough to strangle him. But with chocolate? No. All wrong. So I walked the winter streets. It had warmed up and was snowing all the time. I like those Montreal snowy days. 
quiet and small. I had no appetite. <laughs> My cold was worse than ever. It didn't matter. I just kept walking. Home late to Waverly. Out early. <laughs> Days passed. My mother began to worry. To fill the time as I walked, I created recipes in my mind. A wonderful chocolate souffle. I stirred the chocolate and coffee in a double boiler filled with just simmering water until smooth. Then I beat the cornstarch with the milk in a saucepan. I then added lots of sugar, like lots of sugar, lots. I boiled it, stirring for three seconds, and then quickly took it from the heat and beat in the melted chocolate. I baked it at 375 in a mold, which resembled the profile of Ries de Bruyne. All in my mind. Shadowy groups kept brushing by me, chattering happily. Far away from me. I felt very lonely. And then, I saw her in Carré Saint-Louis. Isabelle de Bruyne. I wasn't sure at first. I moved a little closer, taking care she wouldn't see me. It was her. She seemed so lonely, too. She went to the metro station at Sherbrooke. I followed her, a shadow to her shadow. We took the train down to Beriukam, she and I. She changed to the Angrignon line. So did I. She got off at Atwater. Me too. I just waited to see what she would do. She just sat there. Sad. Small, lonely little marionette. I waited. Trains came and went. She just sat there. Eventually I went and sat beside her. Trains came and went. Reese didn't kill him. They say he did. They're wrong. And you didn't. Then who? Didn't I? What do you mean? <laughs> what is so funny? <laughs> it's all about making people love you. Making them? They won't do it otherwise. You'll have to give them what they want or they won't love you. You frighten me. I frighten myself. <laughs> you, you loved Victor? you make him love you? I didn't have to. For the first time, I didn't have but to. But you also loved Reese? No. Me? Oh. He's such a hard man. I love getting Reese jealous. And after a while, after a while, I really like to get Reese to break off with my lovers. There were others? Many. You're young. Mm. You wouldn't understand. You keep saying that. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you. Our little game made Reese feel powerful for a while. 
and then the cycle would start again. But Reese was sick of the game. Reese met Victor to tell him that I wouldn't see him again. It wasn't true. I hadn't wanted him to. But Reese had had enough, enough of it all. And he gave Victor the chocolates. Oh, then he did kill Victor. Listen, it was to sweeten the moment. He said they were from me, but they were from him. The wrong chocolates. What do you mean? The chocolates weren't meant for Victor. They were meant for Reese. I feel so very, very alone. Why did you use the Belladonna? <laughs> or was it because of its mysterious powers? The beautiful woman? It was just there in a vacant lot near Atwater Market. It reminded me of my childhood. Not that much does. What will happen to me? I don't know. So that was it. <laughs> Convenient and growing in a vacant lot. Memories of a lonely childhood. We just sat there, the beautiful woman and I, Belladonna. Trains came and went. Isabel was arrested, and Rhys de Bruyne freed, a broken man. Rhys closed his shop and disappeared. Maybe he went back to Brussels. If I ever see him again, we'll talk about sweet things. I met with Joyce and Georges Luc at La Cabane. So, the chocolates were meant for Rhys, not Victor. Yup. Oh. Isabel just added a little something to the recipe. But why? Yeah, yeah. Well, Uncle Percy did some checking for me. Uh -huh. She killed her last foster father when she was 15. Ooh. Yeah. They never found her. There may have been other murders, other spouses in the time between then and Reese. We'll never know. I feel sorry for both of them. I could see they didn't need me around. Guys, I've got to go study for the midterm. It's tomorrow and I've done nothing. Hey, I wouldn't say that. Sweet people. You really helped us, me and Joyce. Yeah. Thank you. We really love you for that, yeah? Thank you. Yeah, I love you too. <laughs> They've been through a lot. Bye. I headed home. It stopped snowing. I had lost some weight over the last few days. I felt good. My cold was starting to get better and my appetite had returned. I bought a few bagels on the way. The wood fire in the bakery was warm and friendly. <laughs> so were the bagels. I looked at the lights in the windows as I trudged up the street. Maybe I should move out. Out on my own. <laughs> it made me hungry just thinking that. I wondered if there was any more of that curried rabbit left in the fridge.
And that was Recipe for Murder by Tom Lopez, ZBS, zbs.org, uh, a.k.a. Meatball Fulton. Uh, Tom has done a variety of dark shows over the year. Um, the Cabinet of Dr. Fritz, um, some binaural uh, dark, eh, you know, just, just, just occult, strange kind of stuff, um, did this wonderful piece called Sticks which uh, was previously available uh, for free. I don't know if it's still uh, there. You can check out the Radio Drama Revival archives for that or check over at uh, Tom's site, zbs.org. He also did The Mist by Stephen King, one of the very few Stephen King productions ever done. Um, I think Tom and the BBC have exclusive rights on of having adapted a Stephen King story. Um, that, I think, is still available on his site, uh, Dig Around, at zbs.org for The Mist. That is uh, one of the few opportunities to hear a Stephen King story. And, um, of course, so as I said, this is our horror fest. We've got new dark stories coming out each week throughout the month of October. Um, so check it out. Uh, throughout the month of October, um, from Friends, New and Old, uh, Fangoria Tales by Carl Armari, who did the Twilight Zone Chronicles. We will have an actual piece by Julie Hoverson coming up. We will have Scott Hickey with uh, The Grist Mill, and then a piece from a Sci-Fi Channel series. Uh, we can get our hands on it later this month. Um, and, of course, leading up to Halloween itself, where we'll be having the streaming event, Transcontinental Terror. Uh, Final One Productions is teaming up with Oral Stage Studios, the producers of 1918, to release a show called Intensive Care just in case you thought it was safe to stay the night in the hospital. All right. Uh, and with that, uh, remember, you can find over 150 hours of original audio drama programming at Radio Drama Revival. You can also find us the latest in audio drama news. Hit us up on Twitter, at Radio Drama. Search Facebook. Get a page there, Radio Drama Revival. Or iTunes. Um, God bless iTunes. Search for Radio Drama or Radio Drama Revival, and you'll find us and get hooked on the show. All right, that wraps it up for this week. Radio Drama Revival is produced by yours truly, Fred Greenhalge. Copyright of individual shows remains that are original producers, but do please share this show as far and widely as you'd like. Radio Drama Revival originates in on-air radio at WMPG-FM, Greater Portland, Maine's Community Radio. It is podcast at radiodramarevival.com's Labor of Love. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week. <laughs>